morning. Happy Thanksgiving. Did you guys have a lot of turkey? Wow. Did anybody eat a whole turkey? I was expecting the same scream. Um, how about who had pork for Thanksgiving? Anybody? Pork? Anybody have a whole pork? No? No. <laughs> um, what about Black Friday? Can I get anybody go out on Black Friday? Yeah, you guys are crazy. I've never gone out on a Black Friday before, ever. Um, I just have never really felt the need to, to, to be around so many people. And, um, but this Thanksgiving, we had a Thanksgiving miracle. My children decided to stay at their grandparents' house. We never argue when that happens. Um, and it was like 7.30, and my wife looks at me, and she's like, Honey, do you want to go shopping? All right, because now there's not just Black Friday. Now there's like half Black Thursday, right? And so um, we, I'm like, sure, let's go. You know, I'm always up for just trying things out. And, and so we go, and, and we went to the craziest place that you can go in Miami. I know some of you are like, oh, you went to Walmart? No. I went somewhere even crazier than that. A place where the Brazilians and the Venezuelans run wild. Dolphin Mall. All right. My friends, it was crazy. And it was hilarious. I've never seen so many people running around a mall with three to four oversized suitcases apiece. All right. It was madness. It looked like an airport. All right. And, and I just stood there with my wife and my kids. And I'm like, what is going on here? It's like the end of the world. And we want to make sure we have all the clothes we could possibly have. Tommy Hilfiger shirt in every single color. And you see them pushing it in the bag. Like, you know, there's one sitting on it and the other one's it. It's crazy. And then we heard some people saying, uh, Old Navy has everything 40% off. And since we were there as observers, because I am a people watcher. I love to watch people and laugh. I'm not sure it's a Christian thing to do. <laughs> but it's fun. Okay? You know? Uh, it's one of my guilty pleasures. And... and uh, we walk over to Old Navy, and uh, it's a madhouse. I'm like, we could barely, I mean, we took like three steps inside, and it was just like people touching you and stuff. And, uh, and I, I see this line, and it just like wrapped around the entire store. And I'm like, what's that line for? And she, I'm thinking they're giving something away for free, all right? And she's like, no, that's the line to pay. I'm like, that's the line to pay. How long is the line to pay? Usually you ask how long is the line, like in Disney or Islands of Adventure. And they're like, oh, right now it's about two, two and a half hours. Let me tell you something. I walked away. I'm like, I would gladly pay the 40% just to not have to wait in that line. You see, I'm not going to make a humongous line. I made that mistake once already. I have this flaw. I have a couple of sisters in the audience that are thinking just a flaw. Um, but I'm just going to talk about one today. Um, I have to confess that I have this problem that I have to have the latest and greatest like Apple products the day they come out. All right. I'm working on it. But uh, a couple years ago, I had the iPad one and I love the iPad one. I mean, I even got this special satchel they call nowadays. In my days, we called it something else, but it's inappropriate. Um, and so... Uh, 
I, I had this bag, and people were like, oh, what's in the bag? And I would go, oh, it's my iPad. And I would show them, this is my iPad, you know. And I would walk around. I had an iPhone, but I wanted to hear my music in this giant iPad. And so I'm, like, scrolling through my music, just, you know, flaunting this iPad. And I loved it. And I would tell people, this is the coolest piece of technology I've ever had. And that was until they announced the iPad 2. Immediately, a miracle happened once again in my life. The iPad 1 turned into a giant brick. I couldn't bear the sight of it. I'm like, oh, this thing is just so bulky and big and slow. And I looked at my wife and I said, honey, this is perfect for you. You should have it. You should have this iPad 1. It's awesome. Look, you know, it's 64 gigabytes and it has 3G and I'm, t- I'm selling it to her. And the day that the iPad 2 was released, I went to Best Buy and I stood in line for four hours to get the iPad 2. And right before I was able to, and this, I stood in the sun. I didn't stand inside in the air conditioning. Yeah, I was one of those guys. Stood out there for four hours. And right as I'm about to go into the store to get my iPad 2, these girls drive by in this tiny little car, four girls holding boxes of the iPad 2. And they're going, ah, we got us at Target and there wasn't a line. Ah, And I felt so stupid. I'm like, in that moment, I was thinking like, what is wrong with me? I have a problem. How could I have done this? What possessed me to do this? And here's the thing. We do stuff like this all the time. There's something that we want and we have to have it and we obsess about it. Other people, they obsess about their jobs, and that's all that they think about. My job, oh, oh, I got to do this. And, And we sacrifice family. We sacrifice relationships for this job. Or other people, their children, oh my God, my son, and, uh, he's not home yet, it's 8.30, and I told him to be here at 9, and he hasn't even called me, he's not answering his phone, you're driving him crazy, okay? And we obsess, and we obsess, and these things control our life. They control every single area of our life. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Today, we're going to try to conquer the things that stress our lives. What is that thing? What are those things that we obsess about and turn into stress in our life? You see, we're living in some incredibly stressful times. Can I get an amen? amen. Incredibly stressful times. And not just living in incredibly stressful times, we are entering some of the most incredibly stressful days of the year. The holidays, they're stressful. And I know they wrote a song, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Let me tell you a little bit about the guy that wrote that song. For sure, he didn't have a lot of friends. He didn't have a lot of family. And definitely he was single. All right, no kids. And so that's the only way you could write a song like that during Christmas. Because Christmas is stressful. But today we're going to look at God's word. And ask him, God, what do you have to say to us? When it comes to stress, when it comes to anxiety, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, God says this to us today. Don't be anxious about anything. Say that with me. Don't be anxious about anything. You know what that means? The first feeling in your outline, don't stress out. God is telling us today, don't stress out. And I know what some of you are thinking. You're probably saying, God, what are you talking about? Are you serious? 
I know that you see everything and, and you hear everything and you're everywhere. I know you got to see what's going on in my life right now, God. I know you got to see that this wife that I have drives me insane. She stresses me out. Or this husband that I have, good for nothing, just sits on the couch, doesn't help around the house. God, you know I can't not be anxious or I can't not be stressed out. God, you know my financial situation. You've seen my bank account. You've seen my bills. You've seen how my boss is this big jerk. How can you expect me not to be stressed out, God? And we tell God all these things. And, and here's the thing. We expect God to say, you know, I wrote that for other people. I understand. You know, I understand you got a, a, rough, a rough deal. You know, you got, you got a bad card. No. God is telling you to don't be anxious about anything. It doesn't matter if someone knocks you over in Dolphin Mall and pushes your kids to the ground with their giant suitcase. Don't yell at them. This isn't an airport. I promise you, I didn't do that. All right? God is telling us today, don't stress out. Don't be anxious about anything. And you know what? If I told you this today, if I said, hey, you know what? Don't stress out, dude. You're telling me your problems. You're like, Pastor, I have to talk to you. And I'm like, just don't stress out, bro. Just forget it. You know, just don't be anxious about anything. That's what the word of God says. You know, just, you know, look at me. I, I don't. If I was the one under my authority telling you, don't stress out, you would have every right to say, hey, you know what, Mark? You don't understand. You don't understand what's going on in my life. You don't understand my problems. You don't understand the fact that my husband, he, he left me. Or that my wife, she left me. Or that my kids are on drugs. Or, or that I'm raising a child with a disability. God, Mark, you have no idea. You know, you know what? You're right. I don't have an idea. I don't know what you're going through. However, you know who wrote the book of Philippians? The Apostle Paul. And if anyone knows stress, if anyone knows anxiety, if anyone knows what it feels like to be alone, to feel stranded, it's the Apostle Paul. He actually gives us a list of the things that he went through. And this is a small list. And he says this, I have worked much harder. I have been in prison more frequently. I've been flogged more severely. I have been exposed to death again and again. Five times I've received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been in constant move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from the Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled, and I have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst. I have gone often without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face da the daily pressures of the concern for all the churches. This is Paul's list of the things that he's been through. And one of my favorite stories of Paul is when he's preaching with Silas. He's doing the work of the Lord, preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. And they come across a girl who is demon-possessed. And they walk up to her and they cast those demons out of her. And you can imagine the entire city threw a party and they were excited that this girl was no longer demon possessed. No, that's not what happened. 
You know what happened when they casted out those demons? They got mad because this girl was a fortune teller. She was a business. She was a slave to her owners. And they got Paul and they got Silas and they threw him into prison. But wait, they didn't just throw him into prison. They ripped their clothes off. They beat them up. They publicly ridiculed them. Then dragged them in front of every single cell to the furthest cell, to the uttermost cell, and threw them into this dungeon and chained them hands and feet in this dark room. All right? And I want you to think about, what do you think happened in there? These guys are probably thinking, God, we're doing your job. You know, we're, we're preaching, we're, we're sharing the love of Jesus with everyone that doesn't know you. We're obeying you, God. And here we are in this prison. How can you do this to us? That's not what happened. In the middle of one of the darkest moments of their life, Silas was in training. Paul has Silas with him to train him. And in the middle of that, Silas finds himself in a prison, naked, beaten, bleeding, And the Bible tells us that they began to worship God. Acts 11, 25 says, But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Their prayers and their cries out to God of worship, not complaining, filled this jail. And then it continues to say that suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loosened. In the middle of the tragedy, they cried out to God. In the middle of the darkest moment in their life, they worshiped the Lord. And it was there that God met them and freed them from that prison. And not just them. This is the amazing thing about the blessings of God on your life is that they trickle down to the people that are around you. It says that every door was open and every chain was loosened. And let me tell you, my friends, it is this man's hand inspired by the Holy Spirit that penned the words that we read today. Don't be anxious about anything. I don't know about you, but these words have extreme weight. These words have extreme power. But Mark, uh, it's just so hard. I want it. I want it after hearing this. If, If he was able to do it with the help of God, that means I can do this in my situation. I can do this with the stresses of my life. I could do this with the anxieties of my life. I just don't know how to do it. Well, the awesome thing is that Paul gives us four key steps that we can take in our life to experience this if we continue to read. Philippians 4, 6. We're going to start from the beginning. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, whatever is true and noble and right and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about such things, and the God of peace will be with you. Right here, the Apostle Paul is saying, hey, you know what? You want to live a life that conquers your stress? Do you want to be someone who lives in victory? 
You know that that's the way that God created you to live. God created us to live victorious lives, not defeated lives, regardless of our situation. We were created by God to be in victory. And the reason that we don't live that way is because we choose not to. But I believe today that we can conquer the stress in our life. Do you believe that? And here are the four things that Paul tells us to do. The first thing is worry about nothing. Worry about nothing. Matthew 6, 34 says this, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough troubles of its own. Each day has enough trouble of its own, but we spend our times worrying all the time. How many of you have family members that, man, they're always, oh, but be careful. Oh, no. You know, it's 80 degrees outside. Ponte el abrigo. Put your sweater on. You know, you're going to get pneumonia. It's like people that are just constantly like just worrying and worrying. You know, Debbie Downers, you know. We all have people like that. Maybe it's you. All right. It got like real, real hot in certain pockets of this room. All right. You know, there was a study done by a doctor, Walter Calvert. Google it. It's amazing what this study, millions of dollars went into this study. It was funded by the National Science Foundation. And this is what it revealed. That 30% of what we worry about is events in the past. 30% of what we worry about is things that happened in the past. 40% of what we worry about. Now we're at 70%. Is things that will never happen. 40%. 12% of the things that we worry about is unfounded health concerns. All right? It's stuff that you're inventing in your head. 10% of our worries are minor, trivial issues. And only 8% of our worries are real, legitimate issues. My friends... Stop worrying. Don't be anxious about anything. The, the, the thing that shocked me the most wasn't the biggest number on this. It was this 30%. 30% of what? The things that consume us. It's stuff that happened in the past. You know what? There's nothing you can do about your past. The only thing that can happen with your past, and it's amazing, is that Jesus forgives and forgets it. And yet we choose to lug our past with us. Let go of it. The only thing that you can do is worry about the future. Worry about the present, not about the past. We got to stop worrying. And if these facts, these millions of dollars that that we just saw that went into these facts have not convinced you, I'm going to show you a video of these two world-renowned professionals that may help you out. Check it out. Hey, he looks blue. I'd say brownish gold. No, no, no. I mean he's depressed. Oh. Kid, what's eating you? Nothing. He's at the top of the food chain. <laughs> the food chain! <laughs> so, where are you from? Who cares? I can't go back. Ah, you're an outcast. That's great. So are we. What'd you do, kid? Something terrible, but I don't want to talk about it. Good. We don't want to hear about it. Come on, Timon. Anything we can do? Not unless you can change the past. 
You know, kid, in times like this, my buddy Timon here says you gotta put your behind in your pants. No, no, uh, no. I mean, amateur, lie down before you hurt yourself. It's you gotta put your past behind you. Look, kid, bad things happen, and you can't do anything about it, right? Right. Wrong. When the world turns its back on you, you turn your back on the world. Well, that's not what I was taught. Then maybe you need a new lesson. Repeat after me. <coughs> Hakuna Matata. What? Hakuna Matata. It means no worries. Hakuna Matata. What a wonderful phrase. Hakuna Matata. Ain't no passing craze. It means no worries for the rest of your days. It's our problem free. Hakuna Matata Hakuna Matata? Yeah, it's our motto What's the motto? Haha, <laughs> what's the motto with you? <laughs> she liked that My kids like it too um, But check this out guys Hakuna Matata Alright Stop worrying That is God's cry to you this morning Stop worrying Psalms 55, 22 We have this promise That says, cast your your burdens upon the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. What an amazing promise that if we trust God and we cast our burdens upon him, we will not be shaken. The second thing that we need to do to conquer the stress in our life is pray about everything. Pray about everything. There's nothing too small or too big that we cannot pray to God about. Instead of worrying, you need to pray. Philippians 4, 6, our verses for today. And everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. I hear people tell me all of the time when I ask them, hey, how are you? how's your prayer life? Are you praying? They're like, oh, you know, I want to pray. I'm just so busy. You know, and, and I try to pray every night and I just fall asleep. You know, I just don't have enough time to pray. You don't understand, Pastor. Let me tell you something. My wife and I have three kids under the age of five. All right? And we would be nothing if it was not for prayer. Pray wherever you are. It doesn't matter. You don't need to light a candle to Santa Barbara. You don't need to, like, get in the lotus position to pray. You can pray wherever you are. You can talk to God while you're sitting on the toilet. All right? You can talk to God while you're driving your car. You can talk to God while you're taking a bath. Wherever you are, just pray. Pray about everything. You know, some of my deepest and most profound prayers are in the middle of the night. I start walking around my house and and sometimes I lay my hands on the walls of my house, and I thank God for my house and the roof that he's provided for me and my family. Sometimes I walk to my fridge, and I lay my hands on my fridge, and I thank God that my kids went to sleep, and they didn't go to sleep hungry. And I take that moment, and I pray for the children, the millions of kids that go to sleep every night without clean water, without food. And then I'll walk over to my kid's room and I'll step on a few toys as I'm trying to get in there. And and I kneel by each of their beds and I I lay my hands on them and I cry and I thank God for blessing me with them. And and I pray that God would protect them. 
that God would take care of them, that God would help me be a good father. And then I'll keep walking around my house and pacing like a crazy person. I'm sure if there was a video, I would look insane. All right? And, and I pray for you guys. I pray for our church. I pray for our community, for our country. I just pray. And then at the end, I just walk to my room. I, I kneel next to my wife and, and uh, I pray for her. I thank God for her. I, I stroke her hair. I kiss her. She's a real deep sleeper. Um, and, and I just thank God for blessing me with a woman that loves the Lord. A woman that loves her children. She's a great mom, a great wife, a great friend. You know, there have been times that I have woken her up and she just thinks I'm out of my mind. And I am. But we need to pray. We need to talk to God. It doesn't matter. Imagine all the things that we spend our time on. If we just spent time, more time talking to God, how much easier would our lives be? 1 Peter 5, 7 says this, Unload all your worries on him since he is looking after you. I want you to circle that word all. Unload all of your worries on him. We have to to learn to unload our problems instead of worrying about them. Prayer is this tremendous release valve. People ask me all the time, Mark, how do you handle stress? You know how how I do it? I just turn it over to the Lord. I release it to God. I love the word unload in the Greek. This word that we just read in 1 Peter 5, 7. You know what that word means in the Greek? It means just let it drop. Drop it like it's hot. All right? God's saying, you know your problems, your stress, the things that are killing you, the things that are driving you crazy. Drop it like it's hot. (laughs) Say that with me. Drop it like it's hot. Just let go of it. And you know why God's telling us to drop it like it's hot? Because we can't toss it. We can't throw it. We can't kick it 15 feet to God. This load is so big. That the only thing that we can do is just let it go. It's just drop it at the foot of the cross and say, God, here it is. I surrender this to you. That's what God is telling us to do with our worries. Dump them on me. Unload them on me. Learn to unload your stress through prayer. Paul says, unload them. Give them to God. Give God every detail of your life. Peter says, unload all your worries since he's looking after you. He's right there saying, you know what? Give it to me. Give it to me. And yet, we choose to carry it ourselves. The reason that we're stressed out is not because God's stressing us out or he's allowing it. It's because we're choosing to live that way. We're choosing to live life that way. I have a Three kids, like I said earlier, and, you know, the more kids you have, you, you kind of have to adjust your life insurance and stuff. And uh, I've, been, I've been looking at it, and I found the coolest fact when I'm looking into life insurance. And here's the thing. If you attend church every single week, not every once in a while or Thanksgiving weekend or when you wake up, you know, because the sun just came in the perfect way through the blinds in your room, you're like oh, I should probably go to church today. It's been two months. No, if you go to church every single week, you will live 5.7 years longer than the average person. That's an incredible statistic. Only a few people are cheering. That means the rest of you aren't coming every week. You want to live happy? You want to live longer? Come to church every week. This isn't even a Christian study. 
This is a secular study. They give you discounts. All right. Go to church every week and you're going to live longer than the average American. About six years more. And why is that? Is it because of the holy water or the communion that we have once a month? Or the cafe con leche and the tostadas that we serve here? No. You know why? I mean, this is my guess, but I'm pretty sure this is why. It's because people that come to church, when they come to church, they unload. They release. Every week they come to church and, and they're worshiping God. They're listening to the word and they're just saying, God, here's all my junk. I'm dropping it like it's hot, God. I don't want this in my life. I don't want to carry this load anymore. First Peter, you can throw the whole weight of your anxieties upon him. For you are his personal concern. James says, you do not have because you do not ask. A little pill isn't going to make you feel better. Jesus will make you feel better. Cry out to Jesus today and ask him to help you. The third thing that we need to do is we need to thank God for all things, in all things. Thank God in all things. Philippians 4, 6, in everything, when you pray, pray with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, it's more than just turkey and cran and can-shaped cranberry sauce, all right? And mashed potatoes and the cowboys, or not the cowboys, but the pilgrims and the Indians, all right? It's more than that. It's an attitude, it's a way of life. It's one of the greatest things that we can be grateful people. And God is saying, pray with thanksgiving. Be thankful in all things. First Thessalonians 5.18 says this, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I want you to circle that word in, because that is the most important word. A word that gets misrepresented, misinterpreted in this scripture. You see, sometimes you turn on the TV and we hear a lot of TV preachers telling us, you got to give thanks to God for everything that happens in your life. Someone steals your car, thank God. You know, someone punches you in the face, praise the Lord. You know, someone breaks into your house, you know, have a party. That's not biblical. It says not because, but in all things. All right, someone steals your car and you're like, man, this stinks. But God, I worship you because I know that if they stole my car and it doesn't come back, you're going to provide another car. I thank you, God, that they didn't shoot me in the head when they were stealing the car. They just took the car and I'm alive. In every situation, thank God. As difficult as it may seem, I promise you your life would be so much better. Don't be one of those wacky Christians, you know, that's like, oh, praise the Lord. You know, I don't have a job. You know, praise God. Don't, don't be one of those people. I have a friend that says, praise the Lord about everything. And one day, there's this guy, and he's telling us how his son is sick, and his son's been in the hospital for months, and, you know, he's, he's really never going to have a normal life. And the whole time, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I wanted to punch him in the face every time he said, praise the Lord. You know, no, praise the Lord, man. Say, yo, dude, I'm sorry. But God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for your son's life. God will give you strength. Not praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You know, don't be that guy. Thank God in every circumstance. 
When things are going tough in your life, when problems and you don't understand it. I love what Jeremiah says. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Jeremiah 29, 11. Say things like that. Say things like, God, if you are for me, who can be against me? I have no idea why I'm going through this in my life right now. I have no idea why this is happening to my family, why this is happening to me and my business. But I believe in you. And in the midst of this craziness, in the midst of this dungeon and this innermost cell in my life, I will worship you the way Paul and Silas did. I will sing songs to you. And God will set you free. I promise you, the fourth thing that you need to do is you need to think about the right things. You need to think about the right things. Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, what's right, pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. See, this fourth point here. If you want to reduce the stress in your life, you need to change the way that you think. And let me tell you something. The biggest problem that we have, that most of us in this room have, that I have, is that we're Latin. Okay? And Latin people love drama. We love achievement. We love gossip. We love la tragedia, the tragedy. All right? You know, look at our soul propers. Pero José, ¿por qué pasó esto? ¿Cómo fue que te hizo eso? I don't need to translate because it's ridiculous, right? Estás comiendo macaroni con queso. You know? It doesn't matter what I'm saying. It's just ridiculous. And those of you that aren't Latin, you know what your problem is? You're surrounded by Latins. We're contagious. Okay? We love drama. That is our problem, my friends. That is my problem. It's that we, it fuels us. You know, Thanksgiving is all about, so what's going on with our cousin? You know what I mean? What's going on with this person? You know, and everybody huddles up and we just want to know the tragedy, the sadness that's happening in other people's life. Oh my God, ha, 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 You know what? We don't use our brains that God has given us to their highest potential. We don't put the things that we need to put inside of our brain. We don't think the right things. That's not what we do. It's kind of like in computer world, garbage in, garbage out. If you're putting garbage in your brain, that's what's going to come out in your life. Whatever you feed your mind, whatever you think about, that's what's going to come out in your life. Because the way that you think determines the way that you feel. And the way that you feel determines the way that you act. God says this, if you want to change your life, you need to change what you're thinking about. What are you feeding your minds? What are you putting in your brain? Nowadays, <coughs> people spend so much time on the internet, on Facebook, on texting, that they don't have any time to spend with God. They don't have any time to read their Bibles and put the word of God inside of their hearts, inside of their minds. And then they wonder why their lives are falling apart. Let me tell you something. When something bad happens in your life, posting it on Facebook is not going to fix it. Okay? Oh my gosh, my life is horrible. I'm having such a bad day. 
my tuna was bad at lunch today. You know? That's not going to change anything. That's not going to fix your life. But imagine if instead of living your life that way, when tragedy comes, when difficulties come, you cry out to God. <clears throat> you cry out to the Lord. You seek the Lord. Fix your mind on godly things. <clears throat> Choose to think about the right things. Focus on God. Focus on the positive things. <clears throat> Excuse me. And why is that? Because what we think about, it's the root of the stress in our lives. It's the root of the pain in our lives. It's what we're thinking about all of the time. You know what? If we were to get two people, all right, two people, same age, living about the same type of lifestyle. You put them in the same terrible situation. One person will fall apart. They'll melt. They'll crumble into pieces. And for some reason, <coughs> the other person will come out victorious. They'll come out strong. They'll come out un unfeathered. Same situation. You know what that means? It has nothing to do with the situation. But it has everything to do with what's inside of the person. What's inside of that person's mind. It's a choice. How are you choosing to live your life? How are you choosing to look at the problems in your life right now? What is the source of your stress? It's not your problem. Your problem is how you're choosing to respond. You got to think about it in the right way. You know, I was talking about Thanksgiving and, and we laughed and stuff. But to be completely honest with you, this Thanksgiving has been the saddest Thanksgiving in my entire life. The saddest Thanksgiving that, that I've ever had. And it's because one of our neighbors died on Thanksgiving morning. And it wasn't an old lady. It wasn't a middle-aged person. It wasn't a teenager. It was a five-year-old little girl. She, we saw her, we've seen her grow up in the neighborhood. This year, my son started kindergarten and she was in his class and sat next to him. She's a quiet little girl, kind of keep him in check and he's kind of hyper. So the teacher sat them together and they were good friends. And we found out on Thanksgiving morning that she died. She wasn't sick, you know, like terminally ill or anything like that. She had a cold, went to the doctor three times, went to the urgent care. And they're like, don't worry about it. It's just a cold. She'll be better on Thursday. And Thursday morning, she was dead. And man, when we heard about that, we cried. Me and my wife just held each other and, and, and we cried. And, and then all day, we're just thinking, do we walk over? Do we knock on their door? You think they want visitors? You know, she just had died a couple hours earlier. And at night, we, we walked over to their house and we knocked on their door. And we knocked on the door. They hugged us and they thanked us for coming. And we were just weeping with them. This pain. We, we feel like someone in our own family had passed away. And, and we get, we sit down at their dining room and they look at us straight in the eyes. And, and I was expecting, you see, I went there, you know, like a good pastor with my Bible. I know all the right things to say in this situation. But the truth is, I had no idea what to tell them. And I was expecting them to say, why? God, why did God do this? She was 
innocent, you know, why did this happen? I did all the right things. And, and the first words that came out of her mouth was, I thank God because he gave us five beautiful years with our daughter. And um, I just started to cry as she was telling me that. Just, my wife and I were crying and, and she's like, Mark, our children are not ours. They're the Lord's. And I know I don't understand it. I'm not happy about it. But I'm trusting that God's in control. And now she's in heaven and she's happy and she's not suffering anymore. And I could not believe my ears. I knew they were Christian. I've known them for 10 years. No idea that that's what they were going to tell me. I went there to minister to them. And I probably learned the biggest lesson of my entire life. We need to change the way that we think. We need to change the way that we think. Those people were so full of the Holy Spirit. So full of God. And not because they were stronger than me. They couldn't even quote one verse. He's like, I have no idea where this is in the Bible. But I know that it's real. My friends, this is the life that God wants us to live. This is how you can confront every single situation in your life. And the reason that you're not doing it is because you're choosing not to live your life that way. You're choosing not to trust God. You're choosing not to put those things into your mind, into your heart, into your life. Proverbs 23, 7 says this, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. I want to ask you a question. What are you thinking about the most in your life? What is it that you're thinking about? What dominates your mind? What's dominating that little hamster wheel in there? That's all you think about. What are you thinking about the most? Because whatever you think about the most, it's who you're becoming. It's who you are. And the result of living life, a life that is not full of God, is a tragic life. It's a sad life. Oh yeah, you're not going to lose your salvation, but you're going to live a miserable life here on earth. And you're allowing the devil to rob the joy and the fullness and the happiness that God has promised each and every one of his children. That's the result of living life the way the world lives it. A life that does not trust in the Lord. But you know what the result of doing these things, of worrying about nothing, praying about everything, thanking God in all things, keeping your mind on the right things. It's in verse 7. It says, if you do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will keep your thoughts and your heart quiet and at rest as you trust in Christ Jesus. That's God's free gift to us. That is what I experience in this family's living room. I did not understand that the Bible says that the peace of God surpasses understanding. I saw it. I didn't understand that. 
I don't even know if I would have reacted that way. But it's evidence that Jesus is real. It's evidence that the gospel and the blood of Christ still has power. And it does. And it has power in your life. And today, your life could change forever. What a guarantee. What a guaranteeing peace of mind. That God would comfort us in every situation of our life. And that's what everybody's looking for. Isn't it amazing? The best-selling books that ever come out are books to try to help us find peace, to try to help us get our lives better. And people spend millions of dollars on stuff like that, on therapists, on yoga, on crystals, on despojos and crazy madness, on books, on seminars, on tapes. And God gives it to us as a free gift. It's in the Bible. God's peace is free for you and for me. And we don't experience it because we choose not to. You have because you ask not. You see, and the key to that last phrase, the, the way that you experience that peace is as you trust in Christ Jesus. You can have it, but are you trusting in Jesus Oh, I'm a Christian. I, I believe in Jesus. Are you trusting in Christ Jesus when it comes to your children, when it comes to your finances, when it comes to your life, when it comes to your studies? Are you trusting in Christ Jesus when it comes to your relationships? Are you trusting in Jesus? Do you have a relationship with Jesus today? Maybe you're here today and you're wondering why your life is a mess or why you keep coming in and out of a relationship and it's always the same junk over and over and over again. Stop trusting a man. Stop trusting a woman and put your trust on the only one that can give you life. And it's Jesus Christ. And if you're here today and you're saying, you know what, Mark, I need to trust Jesus with my life. I need to trust Jesus with every aspect of my life. I want to make a decision today to give my entire life to Jesus, to drop it like it's hot right now, I want to invite you just to raise your hand wherever you are, and I want to pray for you. With every head bowed, I see your hand. God bless you. I see your hands. With every head bowed and every eye closed, pray for the people around you. If you're here today and you're like, Jesus, I need you. I need you in my life. Just raise your hand where you are. I'm going to ask George to come out and And he's going to sing a song. It's amazing. We actually, Ivan, George, and I started writing this song two weeks ago. And uh, had no idea I was even going to preach this message or experience what I've experienced today. And it's so perfect for today, for this very moment. The words are simply, come, come as you are. For the love of Christ will give you a new life trust Christ this morning and as he sings it I want to invite you to just come forward and we want to pray for you right here as you come forward if you're here with a friend or a family member come up with them encourage them put your arm around them if you see your friend walk up here and you're sitting somewhere else in the room just come and put your arm on them hug them cry with them pray with them here at the foot of the cross as we drop it before the Lord today we drop our stress our anxieties our pressures and just say Jesus I can't take it 
anymore. So George, please sing. And as George sings, I just want to invite everyone that raised their hand or whoever's here and says, Mark, I'm ready to trust Jesus with my life to come forward. I hear your voice, Lord. You're calling me. There's a struggle inside my soul Cause I'm broken without love I'm burdened without peace Lord, forgive me Please forgive me You're saying, come the love of Christ for he brings new life you're saying come as you are towards the love of Christ for he brings new life and all of your shame will be Sometimes that struggle is like, man, I just, I'm a little embarrassed. I, I don't want anyone to see me. It's, a, it's about trusting Jesus. Will you trust him in this very moment? Let me bring a little reality into your life right now. At night, it's just you and your pillow. And you're crying there. And you're lonely. Or when you're driving down the Palmetto or I-95 or on the turnpike. And your problems are just pounding on you. And you're crying in your car. But it's just you. And it's just you by yourself. So who cares who's sitting next to you? Who cares who's in this room? This is something between you and Christ. And I challenge you today to trust him. To just trust him. Make a monument in your life that you look back at Thanksgiving weekend 2012. I really decided to trust Jesus with everything in my life and just let go. And I promise you, your life will never be the same. You need this monument in your life. So as George sings that chorus one more time, I want to invite you to come up. And if you're here with a friend, man, say, hey, you know what? Come up with me. And I promise you, they're going to be so excited that you're taking this step. You're here with your wife or your husband, your children. Say, hey, can you come up with me? Share this moment. I invite you in Jesus' name to come out. Don't let this service end without trusting Jesus. George, please sing one more time. So come as you are towards the love of Christ, for he brings new. 
God, we, we come before you today and we thank you for the love of Christ. We thank you for the cross of Calvary where all of our shame and our pain and our stress and our anxiety was taken from us. On that cross, as you stretched your arms and died for us, you bore all of our shame and all of our pain. We are free today because of you. Father, we surrender all of our pain. We surrender our anxiety, our children, our jobs, our finances. Whatever it is that obsesses us, that stresses us out, that consumes our hearts and our minds, we give it to you. We offer it up to you. Thank you, Jesus, because you gladly take it. Help us to trust you. Teach us to trust you, Lord. If you're here today and you've never prayed to give your life to Jesus, I want to invite you to repeat this prayer with me. I'm going to invite the whole church to pray it out loud, just encouraging those that are praying for the first time today. Pray it nice and loud and say, Dear God, I come to you today and I say that I'm sorry for the mistakes that I've done, for the sin in my life, forgive me I want to be more like you Jesus thank you because you died for me and today I am alive because of you in Jesus name amen praise the Lord praise the Lord amen if there's any of you here that, that need more prayer, you made this decision for the first time, we have some people that would like to pray for you. We have a Bible, a Bible study guide that we want to give you. So if you would just follow, there's Julie. Julie, if you raise your hand, um, you can follow her. There's people that are ready to pray for you, give you a Bible, whatever it is that you need. And, and you'll have time to come back in and get your purse or whatever. We promise no one will steal it. Okay. Um, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Um, I made this little card for you guys, and it's just the verse that we've been talking about all morning. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind. Finally, whatever is true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable, think about such things, and the God of peace will be with you. Amen. And so as you walk out, they're going to give you these cards. It's something you could put on your fridge and your desk, on your cubicle, wherever. You can just remember not to be anxious and memorize this verse. So as you walk out, the ushers will be handing, handing it out. Now I'd like to ask um, Steve to come out. He has a few things he wants to share with you guys. God bless you. See you next week. Thanks, Mark.